global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco President John Williams saying the U.S. economy appears to be weathering cooler global growth. And he repeated that the central bank will raise interest rates at a gradual pace. I think we're still trying to make sure that the data we've been seeing on employment, the data we've been seeing on inflation are, are real, not a mirage. But given that, I think we're, we're very much on the right track that we'll be raising uh, interest rates. And again, that's Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco President John Williams. Oil leading commodities lower, pulling down the currencies of raw material producing nations and helping lift government bonds. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures down five points. Dow E-mini futures down 50. And NASDAQ E-mini futures down seven and a half. DAX in Germany is down less than a tenth of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 5.30 seconds. The yield 1.86 percent. NYMEX crude oil down 2 percent or 79 cents to 38.60 a barrel. COMEX gold is little changed at 12.2180 an ounce. The euro $1.1196. The yen 113.58. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Barry. Uh, thanks so much, uh, Karen. Uh, more headlines out of Cyprus. Cyprus Foreign Ministry. This is mostly coming off their Twitter feed. Some other sources as well. The Egypt Air hijacker arrested that, according to the Cyprus Foreign Ministry. That from Bloomberg News. Egypt Air hijacker arrested from the Cyprus Foreign Ministry. Chuck Todd is a busy guy. That's always true in election year. Meet the press, of course, on Sundays. Meet the press daily on MSNBC, 5 p.m. as well. How's that going, Mr. Todd? Are you enjoying, like, doing the daily thing as well as the, the Sunday big event in the morning? Uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I, I uh, you know, uh, I was always sort of uh, geared toward a daily mindset. Yeah. And for a, for a year, I was just in this weekly, and I would be, you know, uh, frustrated is not the right word, but, be like, boy, there's some stories that I wanted to cover, and I can't get to it one hour once a week. So yeah, that's- I, I know that feeling. I, I know where yeah. that comes from. I saw a poll yesterday or the day before. Unfortunately, I can't cite who it's from. I'm sorry, folks. I'm an amateur at this, unlike Mr. Todd. I was yeah, thunderstruck. So out. It's understandable. But the California poll of Clinton Trump, mm-hmm. I've never seen in my life, folks. It's at least... 30% difference. I'm going to say 63, 29, something like that. Mm-hmm. Where is this going if we see polls like that? Where's this going? This is going where you have to start wondering if the House uh, is in play. It's not just Hillary Clinton winning the White House. It's not just Democrats probably picking up the Senate. When you see numbers like that, yeah. um, then and, and she could actually cross the 60% barrier in a place like California, Right. But even some of the more Republican districts are going to fall under those circumstances. Right. Uh, Barry Riddle's completely. That's right. Uh, Chuck, Barry Riddle's wants to jump in, but I've got to ask the question now. How does that change Wisconsin and the primaries that, that, that we see coming up? Well, I don't know. And, and so, because voters don't vote on electability. You know, every time we'll talk about it a lot as pundits or analysts or whatever you want, but most voters don't vote strategically. Okay. They vote with the candidate they like or the candidate that sends the message that they want to send in primaries. They don't, they don't, most voters don't vote on electability. And most voters, by the way, believe the candidate they support is the most electable. 
right? They, 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 because they don't want to believe that somehow the candidate they support is not electable. So this is always such a, but, but that's where we're headed here. Um, I can tell you this. Wisconsin is sort of like our halftime version of New Hampshire, meaning it's by <laughs> itself on the calendar. The delegate splits. There aren't a lot of delegates at stake, but perception and momentum is what's at stake. So for the Trump and not Trump movement, both sides, it's must win, right? Trump needs to win it to put to rest this idea that he can't um, get the primary, uh, get the party united. And the Stop Trump movement desperately needs to, to show that they can beat him in a place like Wisconsin to show that they have the juice to stop him. So it is sort of a, a, a perception-wise really important, even if the delegate splits aren't that consequential. Coming up in Wisconsin, Coldplay and Beyonce, followed by Trump and Cruz in our halftime show. So you you touched upon something that I think is fascinating, which is what actually occurs if it's a Trump-Clinton election. And I think the voting public is unaware of exactly why the so-called establishment uh, on the Republican side is in such a panic because there's the possibility, I, I'm not, I don't even want to say probability, but a real possibility of Trump spectacularly grabbing all this free press and then when it comes to the Electoral College and all the state uh, Senate and congressional races just having the table run against them. Is that the bottom line as to why the GFP establishment is so nervous? They're, they're fearing a total blowout? It's not just a blowout. They're fearing something even greater than that, which is uh, generation defining for I mean, what's the what's the largest, uh, fastest growing voting block age wise in America? Millennials. OK, uh, they're now the largest part of the workforce. Uh, they could be the largest part of the electorate uh, at some point they're going to be. They're that big. It's just sort of like the baby boomers uh, when they finally became voters and how impactful they were. And the point is this. Trump could define the party with these voters for their rest of their generation, and that's what they're fearful of, that this this leads to sort of a um, a 10-year, at least a decade setback, if not more, of the Republican Party's branding, branding efforts with the sort of rising American electorate, right, young folks and more diverse folks. So let, let me ask the obvious follow-up. Isn't Trump really the candidate that the GOP has been – subconsciously drifting towards a strong leader who doesn't, uh, you know, trust his gut, not his brain, who doesn't really think in terms of, hey, let's get the greatest experts we can have and, and develop some interesting approach. It's just a lot of things that we've seen from the GOP in general just manifest in one loud, angry, uh, charismatic candidate. Well, I would say it's where the it's where the voters have been drifting. It's where the activists have been drifting. It's not where the leaders have been drifting, right? It's sort of the leaders have been using um, these the, the using anger and using different ways to sort of to motivate this part of their electorate. Well, guess what? I think it's sort of you know use whatever analogy you reap what you sow, Frankenstein, whatever you want to. Use. But their failure to then deliver on sort of this uh, the sort of crazy promises that they made of all the different things they would stop or bring America back and all these things. And this group of voters actually believes them and, and is now looking around going, hey, what about me? 
What have you done yeah. for me? And this is where Trump has filled that vacuum. Uh, you, you have that voice, and I go back to an important tweet that defines Chuck Todd and uh, your contribution to this campaign. We have to go to Cedar Falls, Waterloo, 50613. Don't care that my bra- what my bracket has done. I love that a school from my late dad's hometown beat Kansas. <laughs> go University of Northern Iowa. I mean, if you go out to Cedar Falls where that miracle happened, I mean, Chuck Todd, those people are being heard more in this campaign, whether it's Trump or Sanders or, or frankly, others than at any time in our history. Well, this is look, we're in. Well, I would say the last time we had a we had uh, an, an economic uh, anxiety uh, riven public, this this concept, you know, this sort of divided and this sort of split was probably when we were transitioning from an agrarian economy to an industrial economy. Yeah. And that's what's happening, right? We know what we know why this is taking place. We know why there have been winners and losers in this economic recovery that we've been experiencing since the Great Recession. Um it's very similar to how we ended up with a Great Depression, right? There's new migration and people are migrating to cities to look for work and it's abandoning these smaller cities and and bigger towns. Mm-hmm like a Cedar Falls Waterloo area. We know why this is all happening, but we're in the middle of it. And there are losers here. And it's a whole sort of lost generation right. of forgotten voters uh, here. That That's who Trump's talking uh, to. Chuck, thank you so much. Really looking forward to uh, MSNBC's work. And on Sunday, 11 and 3 uh, p.m., you can hear it on Bloomberg Radio. Of course, you can see Meet the Press with Chuck Todd. Uh, you can do that Sundays on NBC. 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Sundays. Here on Bloomberg Radio, I, Barry, I, I I hate to say this, and I'm biased on this because of my family, but there's something about having people doing TV journalism in America that come from places that aren't within a stone's throw of the Hudson River, you know, or, or some valley outside LA. You you get a different perspective. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm fond of quoting Spalding Gray. I, I don't live in America. I live on a small island off the east coast of America, <laughs> and it gives you a very different perspective. Yeah. You know, that's why I try and get out and travel around the country, go to places like uh, Seattle yeah. and Portland. And, and I'll give a massive shout out to Helper and Heilman who have done that. People think they sort of show up and. They show up at 4.45 and put the show together at 5, and they're <laughs> like out you. the door at 6.10. <laughs> yeah, like the way I do it. And unfortunately, Helper and Heilman are working their tails off traveling the country uh, in this most unusual election season. We'll do much more on this. Of course, the coverage April 5th, really coming up on us next week, Wisconsin, April 5th. And then we go on, of course, to a small soiree, which is becoming more important by the day in New York State. On both sides of the aisle. Interesting to see what Mr. Sanders does in the great state of New York as well. What we know is oil sells by 73 cents, $38.66 a barrel. Coming up, a conversation with Jakob Fels of PIMCO. Barry Ritholtz in for Michael McKee, Tom Keene, Bloomberg Surveillance.